All right, good morning, everyone. You may be confused, because I look like Austin, but I'm not. I was not just drumming. <laughs> anyway, I love when, uh, when people come up and, and kind of say your sermon in, like, 20 words or less. That's awesome. Like, we, could, we can go. We can leave. I don't need to do this. This is, we're all good. Let's go to the beach. Yeah. We're <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's good. We don't need to tell anyone who's over there. Um, yeah, this morning, uh, what we're, we're still in the, uh, the series about focusing on, on Jesus and what he said and the words that bring life. And, and what was highlighted to me was uh, going through the Beatitudes. And so the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount with the focus being on what is the kingdom of God. And so the question we're exploring this morning is, is that what, what is the kingdom of God? And, and it's something that's really, um, it's crucial to me. It, it's important to me because I feel for the longest time, I didn't understand the kingdom of God when I was in youth group or when I was kind of going through schooling, when the kingdom of God was brought up, I was like, yeah, it's like heaven, kind of like heaven plus, or I don't, I don't know. Like I, I couldn't really explain it. Someone's like, what's the kingdom of God? I'm like the I, I, heaven, <laughs> right? And I feel I've had this conversation with a lot of students. I've had this conversation with a lot of adults. And, and, you know, you ask them what the kingdom of heaven is, what the kingdom of God is. And they say, oh, it's the place you go where you, when you die. And this understanding of God's kingdom, while it's not, it's not completely inaccurate, it, it leaves, uh, it, it takes away from the practical beauty of what it means to be in God's kingdom. It, uh, if, if, if God's kingdom is, is the future and it doesn't have any reason or purpose in the present, then, then what does God have to do with my life, right? What does he have to do with my Monday through my Saturday? What does he have to do with my finances? What does he have to do with the media that I consume? What does he have to do with my friendships, with my relationships, with my marriage? If heaven is just a future reality, then my present can kind of look like whatever it needs to, as long as I just say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And that way of thinking, it's not the biblical reality of God's kingdom, the good news of God's kingdom is that we can experience a state of well-being and joy that comes from being in the very presence of God today. So it's a future reality, and it's, and it's something we hope for, right? We hope for that day when all things are made right. We hope for that day when every tear is wiped from every eye and, and God restores everything to, it, to its most beautiful and perfect picture. But it's also a reality today. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's transforming lives and hearts and bodies and families. I mean, even if you take a look on the back, you have this prayer from Matthew. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is something Jesus said to his disciples. He didn't say, uh, pray it when you die. He said, as you pray, when you pray, pray this prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this kingdom of God, is, it's experiencing the state of well-being and joy that comes from being in the presence of God. So we're exploring uh, the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, and this, is the, this discourse kicks off uh, something called the Sermon on the Mount, which is something that a lot of people view as kind of this kingdom life ser uh, sermon. How do you live out the kingdom of God on earth today? And uh, when you look through these Beatitudes, it's, it's not about mastering one to the neglect of the other. It's about seeing how Jesus is outlining uh, both the, the status and the qualities of a fully integrated citizen of God's kingdom that can, that can move on the earth today, that can impact the earth today. And so uh, 
we're going to read from Matthew 5, verses 1 through 11, so you can grab your Bibles. It'll be on the screen. It says, Seeing the crowds, he, being Jesus, went up to the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Did anyone grow up, like, with saying blessed? Is that, where did that come from? Like, that's, I feel like growing up in church, blessed is the poor in spirit. It's blessed. That's the word. Unless I'm wrong, you can correct me after. I'm not above reproach. So I mean, I anyway. Uh, <laughs> blessed are the poor in no. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before, before you. So Jesus, we... We look to your word, and, and, and we look to you as the source of authority. We look to your spirit as the one who reveals and, and uh, unveils what is hidden and, and brings us from darkness to light. And so we turn to you this morning. And Father, if anything's not of you from what I say, then let it be forgotten. And instead, everything that is of your spirit um, and of your word, would that be remembered and, and transform our lives? So these beatitudes or these blessings, these are, are attributes of, of the citizens of God's kingdom. And, and it all starts with this foundational understanding of blessed are people who are poor in spirit. Right, that first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And, and identity is something we talk a lot about. Uh, it's something that's really important, but I don't think that when we think of the identity that God gives us, we often think of poverty. But this is the truth that evens the playing field for, for all people who come to God, right? There's not someone who is so much more holy that they don't need to repent and turn to Jesus. And there's not some mega sinner who needs to repent over and over before God would even look at them, right? This is the reality that, that God, uh, without Christ, we have nothing. It's only when we realize that no person can rely on their own goodness, on their own good works, on their own likable personality to save them from an impending death that comes for someone who lives without Christ. And I think this is, this is a conversation that I often have with people when they realize that I work in the church where they'll say like, oh, well, I'm not Christian, but like I'm a good person. So if there is a God, I'm like, we're good. We're on good terms. Right? Or, or someone will say, you know, I, I just think the Bible, it just points to being not a jerk. So if you're just not a jerk towards people, then, then you're good. And it's, it's not true. The Bible points us to the reality that we are in a broken world, and that world needs a savior. Because if we were lost, we would not be, need to be found. If we were not perishing, we would not need life. If we were not broken, we would not need to be restored. And when we understand spiritual poverty, we can better understand the character of who Jesus is as a generous giver. When we realize our need for him, when we allow our spirits to reveal themselves as broken, then, then Christ releases the inheritance of the kingdom of heaven. 
the state of joy and well-being that comes from being in the presence of God. It says we're blessed when we realize our need for God, and, and that's not about adopting a mindset of despair. It's not about being hopeless. It's not about being, uh, being in this sense of worthlessness. But it's understanding that all of my hope, all of my joy, all of my worthiness, everything comes from the generous giver. The, the same King Jesus who created the world, the same King Jesus who, who took on the form of a human so that he could mediate between God and man, the same Jesus that died on the cross and rose again so that I could have access to the presence of God. He is the one who is giving. He is the one who, who uh, gives all good things, all worthiness, righteousness, holiness. And that's the biblical narrative that kind of flies in the face of saying, you know, you're good on your own. And instead says you are in, in desperate need of a savior. And without that realization, it's, it's not even that, that we won't gain the inheritance of, kingdom of, of the kingdom of heaven. It's that we won't want it. Because the kingdom of God, being a citizen of the kingdom of God, it's not about my own glory ever. It's about bringing honor to the king, glory to the king. It's, it's not about me. And this is where we find like people will distance themselves from God, because, and, and they'll claim it as an evidence problem. Well, there's no evidence of God. But it's not an evidence problem most of the time. It's a heart posture problem. Right? I saw a video uh, this week of a lady who she was saying, you know, even if the God of the Bible appeared to me, I would not worship him. It's not an evidence problem. That's, that's a heart problem. I saw another video of a guy who said, you know, what, if I get to heaven and I see God, he's going to have a lot of explaining to do to me. It's not an evidence problem. That's a heart problem. My friend in elementary school who said, uh, I, I can't wait to go to hell because there's going to be a lot of metal music there. Right? Like there's just these, these ideas that, that when my heart is, is postured towards my own glory, when my heart is postured towards what I want, when my heart is postured towards uh, this kind of uh, individualism, self-desires, then I actually am leaving no space to be impacted or transformed by the gospel of the kingdom. And so how do we respond? How do we respond to these statements about God? Do we respond with anger? You know, how dare you say that about God? Do we respond with a religious pride? Well, at least I'm not like those people. The Beatitudes actually continue, and, and Jesus talks about how a, a Holy Spirit mindset and understanding of this state of spiritual, uh, spiritual poverty and brokenness is mourning and of meekness. So verses 4 and 5. Say, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And blessed, I said blessed, didn't I? It's just so weird. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And this is the heart of the kingdom of God, because we, we know that all good things come from God, all peace, all holiness. When someone has chosen to stay in rebellion, when someone has chosen to, to go against the kingdom of God, to stay in this, this spiritual death of being without Christ, then the heart of the Christian should be burdened for them. But it says, you know, those who mourn will be comforted. Well, what comfort can come from a grief? Well, it's actually a comfort that comes with, with identifying with Jesus, identifying with his heart of suffering, identifying with being united with his spirit to share that heart. When, when he was working and doing ministry in, in Jerusalem and in Israel, and he was trying to lead people to, to an understanding of God and they would reject him. This was his response. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent you, 
How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. There's this deep longing to bring people into the family of God. And, and this godly sorrow, it, it's not just kind of a sitting and, and despairing. It's an active sorrow. Because when Jesus sees the state of Israel, what does he do? He, he lays down his life so that they can have an access to the presence of God and to choose life. He, he lays down power and, and authority so that he could bring people to a better understanding and better place towards God. So how do we reflect this burden for people who do not know Jesus? It's not through arrogance, it's not through self-assuredness, but it's through active and humble service to those around us, praying for opportunities to share the good news of the kingdom of God. And that's where meekness comes in. Meekness is this word, it means power under control. Meekness is Jesus hanging on the cross, knowing very well that he could send an army of angels to bring him down. But he bore the weight of sin, bore the weight of brokenness, so that I wouldn't have to. Meekness is laying down my own rights and privileges for the sake of God's glory, for the sake of my neighbor or brother or stranger, so that they could be given an opportunity to choose life, to choose Christ. Meekness towards God means taking him at his word and knowing that the, the only authority in my life is the word of God through the spirit of God. And I was, doing, um, I was doing my devotions the other day, and, and I realized that I have this mindset sometimes where I'm reading through the scripture, and I immediately just go into this dismissive idea of like, oh, that can't be what they meant, and then I'll just move on, right? And, and I feel like when I read the Sermon on the Mount, that's where I fall a lot of the times, where, you know, it talks about, um, I don't know, when it says, when you give to the needy, and I'm like, ah, maybe, <laughs> right? Or when it says, you know, if you're angry, then you're as culpable as the one who murders. I'm like, ah, that doesn't sound right either. I hope I'm not the only one, but that's like my pastoral thought of the day, right? It's... And, and when it comes to these things, I'm not saying that like, we can read it and, and then it's just it's like plug and play command from God and it's really easy. What I'm saying is that for myself, I will often fall to the side of dismissal because something, if I were to follow through with it, it, it brings me into more of a state of discomfort. It makes me uncomfortable. Uh, and it, it demands something of me. So I'd rather just kind of dismiss that and do things my own way. And that's, that's a battle that I'm constantly having as, as I'm reading the Bible now that it's been revealed to me. So to be meek towards God is to say that all of my opinions, all of my desires, if they don't fall within the, with, in line with the kingdom of God, then they need to be laid down at the foot of the cross. Right? Everything I am and, and can accomplish should be done within the borders of God's word and God's spirit. And so I should be spending time seeking to understand God's word and to live out God's word. And, and this is kind of what Pastor Sam was talking about last week when he was talking about uh, having those proper priorities. Right? And we're going to talk a little bit more about this. But, but, and even what the word was, what is our focus? What is our motivation? Right? And it's not even that we should be thinking that it's God's kingdom first and everything else is, is second. It's God's kingdom first and then in all and then through all. Right? My first priority is God's kingdom. My second priority is my family within God's kingdom. My third priority is work within God's kingdom. Right? My fourth priority, my fifth, it's, it's all within the scope of God's kingdom. It's not about a compartmentalizing and putting something and then forgetting about it. It's about having it be within and, and, and in all. And these commandments, what we're talking about here, they're only possible because we started with, we are poor in spirit. 
and we need rescue and we need Jesus every moment of every day. So then when I value other things, when I desire my own kingdom, I know that I can run back into the arms of the Father, say I am poor in spirit, I repent of my, my self-glory, my self-desire, and then I know that I'm still right, right? I'm still in right relationship with God. So that's meekness towards God. Meekness towards someone else is knowing that, that I'm, I'm superior to none and a brother and sister to all, right? To the person I love, to the person who's hurt me, to the one who's easy to deal with, to the one who frustrates with me, I have this reality of, of I am a brother and sister to, or I am a brother or sister to all. And, and this is something that is, once again, working itself in my life. Preaching on the Beatitudes is awful, man. Because like, you're like, reading through this for the last two weeks and realizing how far I am from, from perfect, it's, it's brutal. So uh, I actually texted Pastor Sam this the other day, and I, and I said, hey, Sam, like, uh, do I still have God's spirit in me uh, because this brother really makes me quick to anger and, and slow to forgive? <laughs> And, uh, and he said, yes, you're, you're okay. It's like, good, excellent, right? It was, it was a hint of truth, but it was mostly a joke. But then, um, as, and this was an unprompted revelation from God, which I appreciate and I also am, am, was, was sad with. <laughs> but he revealed to me this person that I was talking about, this person that I was frustrated with, this person that I was, had very difficult time showing grace to. It was this understanding of like, this guy was raised in a very more broken situation than you were. This guy's currently experiencing life different than you are because he doesn't know the value that's found being a citizen of God's kingdom. He doesn't know the value that's, that's in adoption into God's family. So, Cody, could you show a little bit more grace? Could you operate with a little bit more meekness and forgiveness and, and service rather than anger or frustration? And that was, that was a moment I felt very poor in spirit and a moment I had to turn back to God in in asking for forgiveness and, and praise God for his patience. When our identity as, as spiritually poor brings that mindset of meekness and, and humility, then the Beatitudes continue and talk about the qualities of someone in God's kingdom. First, to hunger and thirst for righteousness, this idea of, of never being satisfied on this side of eternity. Righteousness uh, being made right, the quality of being made right between God and, and his people it's not doing good things. It's focusing on the wholeness found only in Jesus. Once again, the, the tree. To hunger and thirst for righteousness is to seek, you know, to, to proclaim God's kingdom and then to serve with the goodness that comes from knowing God's kingdom. Giving to the needy, housing the window, wi window widow, <laughs> buying lunch for the coworker, all these things, praying for the opportunity to say all these good things, all that I can show mercy towards, all, everything that I have to give comes from an understanding that I have been given much from the generous giver. Right? I don't show mercy to others because I'm better than them and I can take the high road. I show mercy because I, all of my greatest faults are being forgiven constantly by God's grace and I am being transformed by that grace. And that also impacts this, this quality of a pure heart. And pure heart is not about being sinless or about being perfect all the time. What it is, it's about being undivided in attention, undivided in motivation. Because the rest of the Sermon on the Mount talks about motivation. Don't pray like the hypocrites do because they want approval. Don't give so that other people will see what you're doing. Don't, uh, you know, help the poor so that people will be like, wow, what a nice guy. Instead, it's this motivation grounded in the character and person of Jesus. And so suddenly my actions, they're not about earning. They're not about earning God's favor. They're not about earning people's favor. They're about displaying God's goodness. They're about making room for the spirit to act. They're about doing things that, where I can see the kingdom of God at work. And uh, last week, a bunch of us, we were playing a, a slow pitch tournament, and, uh, and we did 
okay. <laughs> we did well. Right, Earl? We did well. Yeah. Um, but the thing with slow pitch tournaments is, is they run Saturday, Sunday. And so a few of us couldn't make it on the Sunday games. And uh, it was funny the reactions that people would have when I said, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to go to the church. They're like, oh, you have to go to church. Like, can't you just call in sick? Like, I'm sure God will forgive you, right? You have to do this. You have to do this. And it was really cool coming back after the game because they're like, oh, I'm sorry you had to go to, the ch- had to, go to church. I'm like, no, man, I got to go to church, right? And, and, and last Sunday, what I got to see was God's spirit convict people of, of you know, sin in their life, and, and they leave transformed. What I got to see was, was healing. What I got to see was people uh, understanding the gospel in a deeper way. So I didn't have to go to church. I got to create space to go to church and to see the kingdom of God at hand, right? I, I'm not sad I missed a game, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm overjoyed that I got to see God at work. So that's this idea of, and I'm not saying the people who went and played softball are <laughs> bad people. It's just that, that, yeah, that response of, oh, you had to. It's like, no, man, I got to. And that leads into blessed are the, blessed are the peacemakers. And, and this is this quality of, of right relationship, of reconciliation, of being at peace, being at, at wholeness with God, with others, with myself actively seeking these things in, in not only my life, but, but the lives of others. And then when, when all these beatitudes are put into place, when all these blessings are put into place, what is the result? Is it uh, a comfortable life full of financial wealth and, and, and really good relationship with, with everyone? Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed Are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account? Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And this is that kind of final reminder to tie it all together to say that God isn't looking for like a good and likable person necessarily. It's not about earning favor with others. It's all about knowing God and making him known. If that's the reality, then why does persecution happen? Like, it sounds like these are kind of good things to live by, right? Because when people remain faithful to God's family, faithful as citizens of the kingdom with no other motives and with no other distractions, it's actually shown in in history, in church history, and in, in the present that they kind of just become a nuisance. Right? They become a nuisance to people who are trying to to not live in that way. Jesus was killed by the religious elite because they couldn't control him, and his gospel was limiting their authority, right? When you owe nothing to anybody, it can be incredibly uncomfortable, and so what do you do with that? And what Jesus isn't highlighting, he's not saying, blessed are the persecuted because they're belligerent to people who don't believe what they believe, and so they just like yell at them all the time, right? It's not being persecuted because Christians are forcing belief on others. He's saying you're going to be persecuted when you live a life of kingdom values, when you live a life of kingdom motivation, and when you live a life of kingdom glory. And in all that, even in the persecution, in uh, the poverty of spirit, in, in all of these things, the, the promise is blessing, which is not, once again, we often go to financial gain or we often go to getting the house. or get, The blessing is of being in the very presence of God of knowing who the king is and knowing that that same king came to die and to be rose again so that we can be in the presence of God every moment of every day. And so I'll invite uh, Greg and Melissa to come back up. And so the challenge in all of this as, as we understand the kingdom of God, as we understand the Beatitudes, 
is that if you're, if you're sitting here and, and you haven't known the gospel or you haven't surrendered to Jesus beyond kind of acknowledging his existence, then the invitation is to receive a blessing that goes beyond circumstantial joy, to receive a blessing that goes beyond uh, emotion or feeling, and instead to experience an unending relationship with the creator of the universe who, who deeply loves you and deeply cherishes you so that you can live holy, blameless, shameless, and fully transformed. And it's not difficult, right? It's, it's one of those things of just sitting, you and God saying, God, I, I believe who Jesus said he is, that he died and rose again, and I want to follow him. And then you're in, right? That's, that's it. And the encouragement beyond that, too, is to tell someone, to connect with someone, to connect with either Sam or Katie, myself, or someone in the church to say, hey, I, I think I just committed to Jesus for the first time. Because then we want to get you connected. And then we want to get you baptized, right? Because baptism, once again, like we're not trying to gatekeep baptism to say like, if you're baptized, then you have to like start tithing 80% to the church. <laughs> baptism is, is, is a public declaration of a spiritual reality that is, I believe in Christ. I want to live my life for Christ. And that's it. Whether you're doing that through our church, whether you're doing that through another church, like, we, we just want to see people commit their lives and declare publicly that, that they know who Jesus is, they believe who Jesus is, they want to follow Jesus. So if you're in here and you want to get baptized, like, just, just do it, man. Like that's, it, it's, and, it, you know, I, I think there's a conviction in that, too, where it's, you know, baptism isn't going to change your, your life necessarily, right? Like, it, it's, there's nothing special about Palm Beach water. What it is, though, is, is it, it is declaring, and it's kind of that act of... Uh, active rebellion against the enemy even to say I'm not yours right I belong to Jesus it's declaring to your friends and your family I belong to to Jesus so we we want to baptize we want to baptize more we want to baptize all y'all so yeah I haven't been baptized right like let's let's do it right like Palm Beach three o'clock if you are in this place and, and, and you've been following Jesus you're like yeah man I'm a citizen of God's kingdom then then take this as an encouragement that your value to God and your value to others. It's not dependent on what you do. It's not dependent on how much good you do. It's not dependent on how much, how, how busy you are, how not busy you are. What is important is, is seeking to live with the understanding that, that we are poor in spirit. Everything we need and could need comes from Christ. That we can mourn for the broken, seek to serve, hunger and thirst for righteousness, make peace, and all within receiving comfort in, in persecution that might come, right? So my challenge then to, to those who maybe you are baptized and, and, and you've been following God is, is read through the Beatitudes. Read through the Sermon on the Mount and, and ask God to highlight, like, God, where, where are you at work? Where do I need to be surrendering more of my life? How can I be poor in spirit uh, and bring you glory? So let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your, your word and thank you for uh, this place. God, thank you for uh, the authority of your spirit in the way that he reveals uh, different things to different people. So God, for, for whatever was revealed today to those who, who need to realize the, the poverty that comes from not knowing who you are, Jesus, but then also the abundance that comes from following you, the abundance of a generous giver, of a generous king who is currently impacting currently changing lives, currently blessing. 
Father, I ask that you would you would highlight these these next and necessary steps to, to going deeper into relationship, deeper into kingdom citizenship. For those who need to be peacemakers, for those who need to establish mercy, for those who need to establish comfort, Lord, we ask that you would be in all and through all, that our kingdom would, would be laid down for yours. And Father, for those who are contemplating baptism, uh, maybe they're sitting in that place of, uh, I, I don't think I'm there yet. I don't know enough. Uh, Father, would you bring comfort to them? Would you bring peace to their hearts? And would you highlight uh, the reality of what it means to follow you, not as uh, trying to in any way earn enough favor to be baptized, but instead it's sitting back and realizing all favor is on us as we turn and believe and follow you. And so baptism is a celebration. It's a celebration of what you've done, a celebration of what you're doing. And God, we want to celebrate with your people. So would you would you bring forward those who, uh, yeah, who are going to be baptized today? So we believe that you are impacting lives. So God, we love you. Praise the Lord. Amen.